Good morning to all of you. We are in uh, John chapter 12 this morning, so uh, if you would be turning there in your Bibles. John chapter 12. I'm going to be reading verses 31 through 36. John chapter 12, verses 31 through 36. Jesus speaking says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We've heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken to us clearly, plainly. You've given it to us in a book. We can read and meditate and memorize and study together. And thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together on a Sunday morning. Father, I pray that you would be at work even in this time. That you would use your word proclaimed to do your work in our hearts. Father, help us during this Christmas season to give you glory for you sending your son for us. I pray that you would be glorified in the way we celebrate Christmas. The way we celebrate it with our families and our own hearts and as a church. And Father, even as we look in this passage, at Jesus, the Son of Man, and what, what that means. I pray that you would be at work in our hearts even now. That we would not let opportunity pass. That while you shine your light of truth now, you give opportunity now. I pray that we would respond. Father, I pray that you'd bless our time. pray that you would work in us even this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know what your Christmas traditions are. It's, uh, it's fun, actually, when we were newly married to begin to establish our own traditions. Because, of course, we come from different backgrounds. And, and uh, husband and wife do that. They come from different backgrounds, different families. And... And so you have your own traditions that you bring to the mix. And it's a lot of fun when you are uh, newly married to try and establish those together, to try and figure out what your traditions are going to be. And so I, I don't know what yours are. Of course, it probably involves gifts. That's a normal thing. Uh, it probably involves special food that, uh, that you start baking early on, that you uh, start preparing, that you uh, really long for 
maybe it's maybe the biggest celebration to, in your mind is gathering together with family. I know for a lot of military families or those who live far away, it's a precious time to be able to join family. For our family, we during the month of December, we read the Advent book together. And as our family has grown, it has turned into a little more of a circus occasionally. But uh, we, we sit down and we read a day at a time. So we start December 1st and we try to be consistent with it and, and we work our way through. We have traditions, ways that we celebrate Christmas. And we as a church have the same thing with our uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service that comes up on Tuesday evening. It's a tradition. And traditions are good if they're good traditions. But sometimes... Just going through the motions of the tradition, just knowing that, hey, it's December, it's, let's go find the Advent book and let's start doing. Some of that stuff is just a way uh, to mark time, maybe. And maybe it's just a part of what you do, and this is the winter time, this is Christmas time, and it's just a part of what you do. And so I don't know what your traditions are, but it, they can make it easy for us to gloss over what, what we're actually celebrating. That we're celebrating the birth of our Messiah. That we're celebrating God sending his only son for us. So it's important that we keep in mind that Christmas is about Jesus Christ, the light of the world coming into the world to redeem sinners. And so that has been the thrust of our uh, series, uh, preaching series during December is to keep our eye on that uh, target. And so today my goal for everyone here this morning is that, that we would truly understand and respond to that light, which is Jesus himself. And thus you have the title for our message today. I read verses 31 and following, but I'm only going to be preaching on 34 and following. And uh, the question right off the bat is, who is this son of man? Look again at verse 34. The crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Well, the first thing I want to notice in this verse is that many have some knowledge. They had heard. They had read. They had been taught. And they had expected certain things about this Messiah, that He would come, that He would set up His kingdom, that He would reign forever. And so in the light of that, in the light of uh, what Jesus had just said and their own expectations, th it caused a problem for them. You see, they had some understanding, they had some expectation of what Messiah was going to be like, and Jesus' words didn't line up with what their expectation was. He didn't fit what they were familiar with. And it's true for us, too, that a little familiarity can lead to a, a lot of trouble. I grew up on a farm, and uh, though my mom has never been a fan of motorized uh, toys, motorcycles and quads and three-wheelers and whatnot, uh, I was a kid, and so I had my, you know, some experience with that stuff. Well, when I went to Bible school in Texas, one of my classmates had a motorcycle, a street bike. And if you've ever been to the hill country of Texas, the roads are great for motorcycles. It's uh, curvy, windy, tight turns, it's a lot of fun. And so I asked him if I could borrow his bike, and sure, I knew how to ride a bike, and, and I took off and went. Well, I had some familiarity with riding, you know, a little small little dirt bike out in the field with nothing else around. But when you get on 
a road that's got other traffic and tight turns and trees and unexpected things like that. I had just enough familiarity really to be dangerous. And so I, I didn't have enough familiarity to be safe. And fortunately, I did survive. I never wrecked his bike, and he finally wised up and stopped letting me ride his bike. But a little familiarity can lead to big trouble. And, and that's kind of what these people are facing. They had read, they had heard, they had some familiarity with the Messiah. And Jesus comes and he says things that were disturbing to them. And, and actually, many of them had problems hearing what he said. They said, how can you say that? Jesus, how can you say that? We, we know some things to be true. We've heard. And so how can you come and say this? They had trouble hearing. Jesus had been, all through his gospel here in the gospel of John, had been teaching his disciples, hinting to his disciples that he was going to die, that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to go away eventually. He'd been hinting, and his hints grew stronger. And here... It gets pretty plain. He says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate by what manner he was going to die. So he gets very explicit with people. He's he's not just hinting anymore. He's being very explicit. But, But they knew. They knew Messianic expectation. They knew what the Messiah was supposed to be like. They, they had an expectation. They had an understanding of what he was going to be like. They had certain facts in their mind and what he was saying didn't line up. And so they were having trouble hearing him, what he was really saying. He was saying he was going to die. And they were, they were saying, Jesus, we, we know that Messiah is supposed to live forever. So what are you talking about? They couldn't grasp what he was even talking about. They had some information and the information they had, though it was true as far as it went, it was incomplete. They didn't have all of the information. You probably noticed even in sharing the gospel with unbelievers that they know some things about Jesus. They know some things about human nature, some things about what it's like to be human. And they might even know some true things. But if you don't have all the pieces, you don't have a true picture. And so to those who start with faulty assumptions or false beliefs, the truth sounds a lot like a lie. And this is what Jesus was facing with these people he was talking to. They they had heard some things. And so, Jesus, how then can you even say that? You see, many just do not understand they, they finally get to the point where they say, who is this son of man? Well, they, they weren't asking him to identify, is it him, is it him, is it you? They were asking him to identify, what kind of son of man are you talking about? What kind of savior, what kind of Messiah, what kind of Christ are you even talking about? And you've probably noticed that also. Maybe, maybe even in your own life, you can recall a time when, yeah, you knew some things about Jesus, but, but you... You didn't understand why he had to die. Why it was important that he hang on a cross. You didn't have the pieces. You didn't understand. You you thought maybe mankind needed someone to come and point the way. This is how you should live. Here's here's an arrow pointing for to give you steps to follow. 
A lot of unbelievers think that. That that's why Jesus came. And when they first begin to hear that, no, Jesus came for another purpose, not just to show you the way, not just to show you what a a righteous life is like, though he certainly did that. He came to be the Savior. He came to die. And they couldn't understand that. Who is this Son of Man? What is this Son of Man like? Well, of course, probably you and I don't really use that language, Son of Man, all that much, unless we're specifically talking about the Bible. But in the Gospel of John, Son of Man was an important topic, an important person that Jesus was teaching about, that, that John himself in his Gospel was, was teaching us. He, first of all, the, the Son of Man is someone that the angels ascend and descend from. They visit him. That he's the center of angelic conversation. They come and talk with him. They come and visit him. The angels ascend and descend upon him. And Jesus himself, the son of man, who is he? Well, he's the one who came from heaven. He wasn't, he wasn't, he was born like the rest of us, but that's not all the story. In fact, he came from heaven and he will return there again. So the son of man is a powerful person in the gospel of John. And the Son of Man acts and speaks with the Father's authority. And so Jesus can speak boldly. He can make make statements that come directly from God. He doesn't have to quote the rabbis and, and make an argument and defend his position. He doesn't have to do that. He can speak on behalf of God because he acts and he speaks with the Father's authority. And this Son of Man must be lifted up like Moses' serpent was lifted up in the wilderness to defeat the, the plague of the serpents. Healing is found in him. He's to be lifted up. He's to be lifted up, raised up from the earth. He's to die. In other words, he gives, he gives the only food that leads to healing, the only food that leads to eternal life. These are all statements that, that are made about the Son of Man. This Son of Man is not just an important figure. This Son of Man is the center of all things. The Son of Man is Jesus. And He will indeed be glorified as they expected. Jesus, we've read, we've heard that the Son of Man, the the Messiah, the Christ, is going to remain forever. So how can you say He's going to die? Well, He will indeed be glorified. But He's just said that His glory will come by means of His sacrificial death on the cross. It's a piece of the puzzle they didn't understand. And so they get to a good place. When they ask the question, who is this son of man? That is a very good place to be. You see, so often people think they already know the answer, don't they? They think they already know who Jesus is. They they think that they know all there is to know about him. Yeah, he was a good man. He lived back then. He did these things. Maybe even people who are familiar with the Bible, oh, he's the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. They know some things about him, but they don't know the whole picture. And they need to come to a place where they realize, no, actually, I don't understand what's going on. I thought I understood what was going on. I thought I understood who this Messiah is, who this Son of Man is, but I don't really get it. And that's a very good place to be. When, when, a, when a person finally comes to the point where they realize, I don't understand. I don't understand. 
In my conversation with people, I love that point when they will admit, I don't get it. Because now they're ready to hear the truth. And these people Jesus is talking to, they finally get to their point, that point where they say, I don't understand. Jesus, who is this son of man? I pray for that moment in evangelistic conversations because normally you get pushback, right? Normally you get a counter position of, no, this is who Jesus is. And yeah, I know what he's like and I know what he's about. That doesn't really pertain to me. And it's an argument. It's an argument. And it's a blessed thing. It's a glorious time when someone says, "I, I don't understand. Because now they're ready to hear. And so when we come to another time of Christmas... People are celebrating and they're singing Christmas songs and some of them are even good Christian Christmas songs. When they're talking about Jesus, Him being sent and this being His birthday and all of that, some of them need to realize they don't really understand. Some of you need to realize that you don't really understand. You think you do. And you have some pieces. But it's okay to say to the Lord, Who is this son of man? What did Jesus really come to do? Well, Jesus' answer, who is this son of man? His answer is that he rescues from darkness. Look at at verse 35. Verse 35. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. So who is this Son of Man? Well, first of all, he's the light. He's the light. He says, the light is among you. And of course, we've been preaching on this topic for all of December. Jesus himself, he's the light of men. He's the light that shines in the darkness. He's the light that gives light to everyone. He's the light of the world. And in our passage, the point is, this light is where life happens. He says, walk while you have the light. The light is among you for a little while. There's going to come a time when there will be darkness. You need to act now. He is the light. He's illuminating. He's showing. He's showing forth what God is like. And He's showing forth, revealing to us our need for this Savior. He's the light, and there is no other light besides him. So first of all, he's the light. Second of all, he gives opportunity. He says, walk while you have light. Make hay while the sun shines. You have opportunity now. One of the great privileges that we at Parkside have is that we get to host service members and their families from from all around the place all around the country, and they come through Fallon, they're here for a while, and we love them, and we invest in them, and then they have to leave, because Uncle Sam said so. So they've got to go somewhere else, and we've all done that, we've all been here long enough, we've dealt with that cycle, right? And, and we know that when the days are getting short, when their time to leave is approaching, when, when they're, they're about to move on to the next place, that's when you've got to really invest, That's when you've got to take advantage of those last opportunities to get to know them and to love on them, to appreciate them, to show them your appreciation. 
Of course, the tendency is for, for those who are in that kind of context, whether they're the ones moving on or the ones being left behind, the tendency is when the time gets short that we actually kind of wean off of relationship because that makes saying goodbye easier. And so usually the last six months before someone leaves, there can be a cooling down of relationship. And we've got to guard against that just for relational purposes. We need to stay invested. We need to stay connected. We need to stay plugged in with them. But the point is that when time is short, that's when you need to take advantage of those opportunities to be together, to spend time together. We have precious pictures of uh, time our, our kids got to spend with kids before we, uh, with the children of friends before we left Russia. And we, we've seen them briefly since then. And may never see him again. And those times together, we went bowling and we had fun and the great pictures, they're great memories and great relationships. And, and the point is here, we have opportunity now with the light. The light is among you. Walk while you have the light. You need to take advantage of opportunity, opportunity to get to know Jesus. You need to take advantage of that time and rather than remaining distant, Rather than letting Christmas time be a time about busyness or about gifts or about other things beside Jesus, this is an opportunity for us to get to know Him better. The time to start walking with Christ is now. You see, some of you have, have been Christians a long time. Some of you have been in the church for years and yet somehow you've remained on the fringes in your relationship with Jesus. You've, you've retained a relationship, but it's kind of a distant one. You've, you've never really invested. You've never really gone all the way with Him where you, where you have that kind of intimacy with Christ, where you walk with Him, where you know Him, where He governs your day and He governs your night. You've stayed distant. And to you, Jesus would say, walk while you have the light. Now is the opportunity. Now is the time to know Him. Now is the time to get to know Him better. And to you, this is what Jesus would say. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He offers that kind of intimacy of relationship. Don't keep that door closed, Christian. Don't, don't, don't keep him pushed to the outside. Walk while you have the light. And he says he is the only escape from darkness. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. You see, Jesus was about to leave them. He had already declared that he was going to be leaving. He was with them for a time, and that time was drawing very short. And he was about to go away. And when he goes away, the light goes away. He, he's with them. They can ask him questions. They can learn from him. They can fellowship with him. They can be with him. But the time is coming very shortly very, very shortly, when they will no longer be able to do that. They won't have that access to Him. And so the challenge for us, the encouragement for us, is to learn while we have opportunity. To get to know Him while we have opportunity. Because the time to start walking with Christ is now, and walking in the darkness leaves us vulnerable.
on. This is on. It worked for Monty. All right. You have opportunity to learn. You're, you're seated here at church. We have Sunday school before the service. We have Bible studies. We have connect groups. We have times where you can come and learn of Christ. Take advantage of those times. Service members, you've, you've got opportunity to learn of Christ now, but I, I don't know where you'll go next. You might, I don't have any idea where you might end up going next. Or I don't know people who are moving out of town or whatever. You have opportunity now to walk in the light. You have opportunity now to learn of Christ, to be taught. So learn of Him. Get to know what His Word says. Get to know what He is light. Walk in the light while you have the light because there may be a time coming when you don't have equal access, when you don't have that kind of opportunity. I was reading the story of someone who lives on an island somewhere, and it's a small island, and, and there are churches there, but there are no good churches there. There's no, there's no doctrine being taught. There's a lot of weirdness going on. And this, this, this poor guy was just in sorrow because he, he couldn't get good Bible teaching somewhere. He didn't have a place where he could come together and fellowship around the Word where he was in darkness. I don't want you to be in darkness. I don't want us to be in darkness. Thirdly, he makes light. Look at verse 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. You see, first of all, he is to be believed. Believe in the light. The Gospel of John is called the Gospel of Belief because about a hundred times that word is discussed in these 21 chapters. Believing, believing in the Messiah, believing in Jesus, having genuine faith in Jesus is an enormous topic. And I say genuine faith in Jesus because that also is a topic of discussion in this Gospel. The Gospel of John is full of cases where people believed and then went away. Indicating, and John's point is, that indicates that their belief was not genuine. It was not a saving faith. One example of this is, is early in the book in chapter 2. When he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, I'm quoting from chapter 2 and verse 23, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Well, Jesus was doing miracles. He was doing signs. And so many were believing. That sounds very promising. That sounds like a good thing. It sounds like his ministry is really taking off. It sounds successful. It's the kind of thing we would want. should be encouraging. But the very next verse gives us Jesus' response. Verse 24. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. He knew what was in their heart. He knew that it wasn't true faith. They believed, they had a kind of belief, but it wasn't the kind of belief that caused them to look to him continually. It wasn't the kind of belief that would, that would cause them to continue walking with him even when he said hard things, even when he didn't do the miracles that they wanted. It wasn't that kind of belief. You see, what is true faith? What is saving faith? Well, I read recently that magnetic north 
shifts. The magnetic poles shift. I didn't really know that. It surprised me, and I wondered if, you know, it was going to start messing with gravity or something weird. I didn't know. But, but the magnetic poles are shifting, and they're always shifting. But apparently right now, magnetic north is shifting at a greater rate than it normally does. But apparently that's not a problem, at least according to uh, popular mechanics or, or popular science or whatever it was I was reading. But it startled me to think that, that uh, magnetic north shifts... And when that happens, what happens to every single compass on the earth? It shifts. Every compass is affected by that shift. Now, it's only a little bit. It's a few degrees or, or less than a few degrees. It's just a little bit. That, that's kind of what genuine saving faith is. That when a person believes in Christ, they're not just believing things he said, nor are they just believing that he really existed. Nor do they just have a, a great emotional response to something about Christ. They believe things that are true. They believe that he actually was born as the son of God and son of man, that he actually lived a perfect life, that he actually died, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. They believe those facts and they believe those facts for themselves because they realize I need that. I have to have that. If I don't have forgiveness of my sins, if I don't have righteousness to stand before God, I'm dust. I'm lost. And so true faith doesn't just recognize facts. True faith is like that needle on the compass that responds to magnetic north moving. The magnetic north is Christ himself, his saving work and what he has accomplished. And so when someone has true faith in Christ, there's a shift in their compass. Everything becomes reoriented around him and around what he's done and around what he has accomplished. He becomes the center of all things. And so Jesus is to be believed. Jesus is to be believed in that way. Not just that we believe what he says, though we do but that we believe in such a way that I have to have him and what he has done or else I'm lost. So he is to be believed. Saving faith is utter dependency upon the completed work of Christ and it causes a drastic shift in your magnetic north. He is to be believed. He also begets children of light. Did you notice how it, he words that? He says, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. He forms you, he changes you into a child of light. He begets children of light. The work that Jesus does in us and on our behalf is a rescue mission. But it's far, far more than that. He not only transfers us out of darkness into light, but he makes us children of light. He changes who we are, not just our identity, but he even changes our behavior. So much so that we who used to find comfort in the darkness, we who used to find comfort and find our home apart from him, separated from him, now that we have become children of light, that he has made as children of light, we would no longer even be comfortable there. That's no longer home. We have a new home. We have become children of light so that we become 
more and more like him. That's a work that he does in us. So he doesn't just transfer us out of that darkness and then and stick us into the light and we sit there with our, you know, trying to block out the bright light. He adapts us to that light. He makes us to become children of light so that we begin more and more as he works in us to fit here in the light. We no longer fit in the darkness. We're no longer comfortable there. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We have a new life. We have a new magnetic north. We have become children of light. He begets children of light. And finally, he gives light now. He says, while you have the light. While you have the light. Don't wait until tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Most likely in a room this size, there will be some who will not see next Christmas. Will that be you? Your life could be stopped with no warning at all. Just stopped. Your time would be up. You would have no more tomorrows to bank on. Now, I'm not, I don't say this to try and scare you any more than your flight attendant is trying to scare you when she's explaining to you the emergency procedures. This is just reality. The uncertainty of life is a very simple truth. Even a child can grasp that simple truth of the uncertainty, the brevity of life. And yet, so often, adults ignore it for decades as if it weren't true. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. But you have the light now. You have the light now. Jesus, in this passage, is talking about his own presence, his very presence and his teaching. And he was saying that he, as the light, was going away. Well, we don't have Jesus here with us bodily, but we have his word. We have his spirit living within us. And we have his promise that his very presence is with us with all his authority for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel, of making disciples of all the nations. And so, yes, he is with us. We do have the light. You have the light now. So believe in the light that you may become sons of light. This may be the last time you hear the gospel proclamation. This may be the last opportunity you have to to believe in Christ. And that's the command of Scripture for you. That's the call of God, is that you would repent, that you would turn away from, from trusting in whatever you have been trusting in and trust in Him instead. That you would believe in such a way that your compass changes. It has a new north, a new reality, because not only do you believe facts about Christ, you believe, you understand, you must have Him yourself. You must have that forgiveness. You must have that righteousness for yourself. And that's yours if you will believe in Christ. That's yours if you will trust in Him. And He will make you a child of light. Now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. The time to come to Christ is right now. So I would urge you to put your faith in Him even this morning. Don't let any time pass. 
In conclusion, if we let the routines of our Christmas traditions take center stage at this time of year, then we've missed the mark. Jesus should be at the center stage. He is the Son of Man who came to give his life a ransom for many. And each new Christmas that we get to celebrate should be a reminder to us that we still have opportunity to believe in him. Each new Christmas we get to celebrate should be a reminder to us that we have opportunity now to walk with him, Christian, to get to know him. He gives light now. He shines now. He gives opportunity to know and walk with him now. So let's learn of him. Let's read his word. Let's obey him. Let's worship him. Let's seek him together. Because the light shines now. The light is among you for a little while longer. So walk while you have the light. So Christian, as we celebrate this Christmas in just a few days, may it be a reminder to us of the opportunity that we have now. And may we take advantage of that opportunity now. May we not put off to some distant point in the future. May we walk with Christ now. Let's pray. Father, I know so often in my own life, I have put off walking with Christ, thinking I could learn of him at some point in the future. Let me just have fun now. Let me just go my own way now. Let me just do my own thing and set my own compass. Father, I thank you that you have worked in the hearts of so many including me, to bring me back around that I understand, that I have understood and I will need to understand again to walk with you now. Father, I pray for each one here who knows you. I pray that we would take this opportunity today to know you, to worship you, to glorify you, to seek you, to rejoice in you. May that be the case this Christmas season. And for those who don't know you, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. I pray that, in fact, their compass would shift. I pray that you would call them to yourself, that they would trust in Christ. That they would see him as the most important thing, and not just the most important thing as in fact or event in history, but the most important person and event for them because they need salvation in Christ. I pray that you would do that, Father. And Father, as we go out, as we celebrate, as we give gifts to each other and celebrate together, as we sing songs, may you be honored and glorified in it. May you be at the center of it. May we keep in mind that we still have opportunity to walk with you and may we take advantage of that opportunity. Father, we rejoice that we have opportunity even this morning to have had your word open, to be reading, to be studying, to hear the proclamation of your word, to worship together, to be involved in all that we've done this morning. We give you thanks. Pray that you would continue to shape us and form us. Make us children of light. So, Father, we we praise you for this gift that you've given us of your Son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I remind you again of the uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service that's 
Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. And I recommend you come early because the seats get taken up pretty quickly and uh, you don't want to be standing in the back somewhere. But uh, there's going to be a family to be up here to pray with you if you want to pray with them. Otherwise, God bless you all. Let me send you off with this verse. May you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you and you are dismissed.